Hey, what's up, Rhea? Hey, Aaron. We're back. Yes, we are. And so is everybody else listening today. We're excited to share with you our second episode of our leadership series. Yeah, so our first episode took a look at the past and what our guests did to get to where they are. And today we're going to look at some skills you can hone in on today to get you to where you want to be. This is ASIC Talks, a podcast to explore ideas and curiosities in areas such as investing, entrepreneurship, and professional development. We hope that the information from our conversations on this podcast will encourage you to step out, take risks, and achieve the goals you want. So as students, like GPA is always something that we feel like the pressure to pay attention to, whether it be a good GPA or bad GPA. How's your GPA? Um, It's not exactly where I want it to be, but I work really hard on it. How do you set a bar on your GPA? Like, is there a certain number you don't go below or is there a certain number you have to keep for a certain thing you want? Or like, how do you go about, you know, targeting the GPA you want? Um, I want to make Dean's list at least. Okay. So Dean's list is like your bare minimum. What yeah. is that? Like a three, five or what is it? It's different from college to college. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like GPAs are, it's good and important, but for me, I feel like it's, it's not my main focus. I'd say that my bar is like 3-0. Like, don't go below that. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of pressure around me to keep it high. Okay, like what? Teachers, parents, you know, like other people competing for the same job I want. Cool. Yeah, I know. I, I think it's important to like try to see like where GPA plays a role. And I think it's cool to talk with our guests about is it important for your first job or how is it important for getting a job, but also for the students that, that are more interested in not just getting a job. If their goal isn't just to get a job, how does GPA play a role in potentially them being a leader or whatever they do next? Yeah, well, let's hear from our guests about it. The first person is Dana. I think y'all remember she's from Turner Broadcasting. I encourage everybody to do the best they possibly can. Um, However, I've realized from speaking to hiring managers and just, just mentors that Honestly, your your GPA is only a focus, an area of focus in hiring for your first your first real job. Um, and I know that comes as a shocker because that that is something you should try your best at to keep high. But at the end of the day, it's going to be the things that are different about you that stand out. Um, for my first job out of school, um, I had a really high GPA, like to the point where. <laughs> My, um, the, the VP that interviewed with, he said, gosh, what did you do? Slack off your last semester? And it was a joke. Um, but that, that was just showing that I could do the work. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's a part of hiring is one, can you do the job? And when you look at it, most people are capable of doing the job. But the second thing that matters more is what are you going to provide to us? How are you going to gel with the people on this team? What makes you different? What makes you stand out? Because your grade is not going to be that, especially not. There's so many people that (laughs) everybody's smart, man. Everybody's smart, especially when you're trying to get into competitive company, but that's not what's going to make you stand out. Um, So GPA, I believe, is only critical in your job search for your first job. I like Dana's insight on that. I think it's really important to note that GPA is really important for that first job, 
but maybe not as necessary for the second job or even just the rest of your career. However, I do like how she brings the idea that communication skills are always going to be important. And if you develop those early, they're going to really help you with whatever you want to do. Our next speaker, William Cunningham, is going to talk more about how people skills play a role. And it's not necessarily just GPA that's going to help you get to where you want to go. It's, imp- I, well, it's important. It, it, it is important. It, it just shows the ability to be positive, complete a set of tasks within a given time frame, and to be able to synthesize a great deal of information and, you know, basically, you know, pass a, a bunch of tests. And again, it, it is important. It's not critically important now. Uh, remember, the Beatles story. Uh, it's always better to have positivity, engaging, that kind of street, that's what people mean when they say street smarts and street intelligence. It all boils down to people and people skills, you know. Um, I would take somebody who had, you know, A plus level people skills, and I mean, A, and I've seen these guys, A plus level people skills, put them in a room anywhere on the planet and they'll have everybody laughing, you know. Um, uh, and a C average versus somebody who has C or D people skills and an A average. The way to think about it, you know, I met, I had the opportunity because I'm adjunct on the faculty at Georgetown. So uh, Georgetown University, D.C. So I had the opportunity to meet Shaq, you know. Shaq is a big, fun guy. He is, he, he is hilarious and not, it's hard to express it's not in a negative way. He's not like a clown or anything like that. He's just, he loves people. He engages with people in a genuine way that is just, ah, it sounds, and I'm willing to bet he's a C student. You know? <laughs> I'm willing to bet that. But but he learned, he, what he does, people learn in different ways. He learns from his experiences and engagements with other human beings. He learns a lot more that way than he does through book learning, although he does that too. But the thing you got to understand is that if you've got A plus level people skills, other human beings will tell you everything you need to know. They will teach you and they will train you. You know, they'll tell you everything that's in those books in a way that is efficient, effective and summarized so that you don't have to, you know, spend all of that time in the book. So it's the people skills. If there was one thing I would say to, to, to your guys, to your generation, you know, put down those phones, do Go out, go to a bunch of meetups, go to a bunch of events. Do That's one of the things that we do with the interns that we have here in D.C. We're famous for going to all kinds of events all of the time. Just as a matter of fact, the uh, IMF World Bank annual meetings are coming up in April and, and we'll be there with a bunch of interns just to, you know, hey, experience it and just to be able to talk to people about what's going on in their world. And the thing I like about the IMF World Bank meetings, they have economists from all over the world who show up there, you know. So I don't have to go to the UK or to Saudi Arabia. They're coming here. And I see them in the hall. And if you have the right attitude, if you have the right people skills, you know, they'll talk to you. You know, not everybody. Of course, you always run into a bunch of negative, you know, ninnies on a case. You run into people who are racist, who are sexist, who you know, are anti-American, you know, but then again, you run into people who are pro-American and who are not racist and who are not sexist. So you just got to take your shot. And the more shots you take in terms of dealing with other human beings, the better you get at it. That's kind of what it's always people in your age group are always shy. 
They always kind of nervous about meeting people. And I've never understood that. You know, my attitude has been screw them. (laughs) If if I mess up or if I'm not going to do anything that's super negative or anything like, yes, I might mispronounce a word. My tie might be on crooked. My shoes might be. I don't I, you know, but that's not going to be intentional, you know. And like I say, the best human beings realize that and understand that. So so get out there and meet people. Talk to people. Awesome. I love how he talks more about learning through engaging with other people. I feel like sometimes when we're in the bubble of college or school, we have a hard time focusing on anything other than GPA. And the people around us are really our most valuable resources. So our next guest, Ed, you probably remember him from our last episode, is going to talk about some more attributes we can pair with GPA to help us be more effective in the long run. I don't think GPA is a defining component. I think it's one of 20 different things you look at. I mean, were you a good student? Are you conscientious? Uh, did you use your good brain to think? I think they're all derivatives of the GPA, but I also think that the ability to communicate, especially uh, with young people and written communications. Um, in one of my classes is a defined point about you know, if you can write, you're special, because most can't. And so I think the communications piece is huge because at the end of the day, it's all about relationships, whether it's relationships with peers or subordinates or executive committee people. It's can you communicate? Can you relate? Can you get your point across in a way that really does express yourself? I think it's really cool how he touched on the importance of written communication. I know for me and also a lot of my peers, we totally undervalue the ability to write And I think it's really cool perspective and insight to see that that's one of those skills that we're going to need going forward and also in the present. I also think it's cool how all the speakers talked about the importance of communication skills, whether that be with other people or however you use those communication skills to better yourself. And I like how they touched on that being almost more important than GPA. So I think that's really cool to hear that. Wait, Aaron, I don't know about you, but right now I'm pretty young and dumb, but I know I'm really driven. Um, What if that's not enough for me in the future? Is there some sort of line between being passionate and actually being able to get anything done? That's a really good question. I think that's important to see maybe like how does passion play a role in leadership? Are passionate leaders good leaders or is there some sort of balance you have to create? Our next speaker, Ryan, talks about how to create that balance and being passionate but also getting things done and being organized. You know, positively, obviously, if you've got passion – for something, someone, some cause, whatever the case may be, then you are intrinsically driven towards that thing. And research tells us that intrinsic motivation is far more valuable and effective than extrinsic motivation. So someone is going to be far more motivated by a personal desire to achieve something and to do something than they are by a paycheck or a commission or a bonus or whatever the case may be. At the same time, while that is certainly a positive to have that desire and that drive, oftentimes what can happen with extreme desire and drive and passion, like you said, uh, is that we can get myopic. You know, people think that, you know, if I've just got enough passion, then I can achieve it. And really, um, from the work that, that I do in the, in the you know, neuroscience and behavioral economics research and uh, things like the Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, 
passion is really only one part of the equation that to realize success, you need to be thinking about those things that are factual and logical. You need to be thinking about uh, execution and plan uh, and the steps um, to get to where you want to go. But then uh, you, you have to have an overarching goal. And so while passion can motivate you to achieve a goal, to execute on the particular steps and to make sure that you are measuring your success and you have the appropriate things in place to, uh, to again, measure and quantify that success, um, you've got to have all four. You've got to have you know, what we would call a whole-brained approach to it. Uh, and again, you know, if you've only got the passion, then you're probably missing about 75% of what you really need to realize true success. Yeah, I like how you talked about the importance of intrinsic motivation and not only that, but how to be strategic and not get lost in sort of inner passions. Our next guest is Ray that you probably remember from the last episode, and she talks about how to use passion to drive a team. I actually think you got to be passionate about what you do. Um, I always say if you're not passionate about your job, it's a job. Um, so I think passion does not mean lack of attention to detail or planning or, you know, on the execution side or any of that. But I, I think that it's really important, you know, that you love what you do and that they're, they're usually, that's usually tied back to being in a situation where you love what you do and you can be successful at what you do. I try to, I try to communicate my passion, uh, particularly to the young people that we're training in this business. And, you know, to create that kind of uh, drive and determination with everybody around. And so much of that comes from, again, making our clients successful. If you're not passionate about your job, it's a job. I really like that and that Ray brought that up because I think it's really important to recognize where you're at and the importance of the things you're doing. And if it's not where you want to be, you have the opportunity to pivot and change what you want to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it was great to hear all of this insight and perspective. But I really want to focus on how we can develop and pinpoint some of these skills. In the last episode, you might remember Elizabeth talking about her three most important skills as a leader. They were embodying transparency, communicating the why, and having financial knowledge. We're going to hear some more about how she develops them and how you can hone in on them as well. Yeah, so I think transparency is probably the easiest in your personal life because you're less polished there, presentation-oriented. Um, but I think being, um, being curious, asking a lot of questions, being okay communicating that you don't know something, but building a plan to go find out the answers. Um, I think networking with people specifically to learn certain things from them is something that students can do. And I think a lot of times um, early in your career, you're told, like, you need to network build your network. And that's mm -hmm. good, but you're going to get different things from different people in your network. So if you want to focus on career advice versus um, what cities are good to live in, you're going to talk to two different people. And you should think about that as you're building your network. Hey, who would I go to for these different things? Um, and pick people who have skills that or thought processes that you don't have. I think for um, the why, Everybody has that friend who's always like, and then what? And then what? And then what? Um, those are, those. think about those people. Like if you were talking to them, you wouldn't say like, 
oh, we're going out on Friday. You would say, like, on Friday, we're going to this bar for this person's birthday party at 8 o'clock because you know that they're going to have those three questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And starting to communicate in that way, I think, helps the people around you, um, one, to trust you more because they feel like you've thought through the next steps. Um, And two, it helps you to get those people on board with you quicker. And for students who, you know, maybe moving into their first professional job, um, I think that's an easy way to start to be a leader among your peers because people people will look at you and be like, oh, wow, you're such a good communicator. Um, and you are, but it's because you're thinking ahead for, hey, if someone told me this, I would then have these other questions. Let me communicate all of that up front so that people have the answers and know what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, and then I think the third one, from a financial perspective, um, I was not that good at math in school. And so... But I'm a lot better with context around it. And so I became good at math professionally because I had to learn how to manage PLs and build budgets and create comp plans and things like that. I think for um, somebody who's starting to, you know, going from school into work and thinking about where they would get more real life financial skills, like you're gonna take a lot of finance classes in school if you're a business major, but looking at, hey, how would you start to make decisions? So if you went into a company and they told you, hey, you've got $100,000, you can hire 10 people or you can buy this software, what are the questions that you would start to ask to figure out which one of those is a good decision? Um, Because a lot of times um, people who work in finance or work in financial roles tend to be very black and white. And they're like, oh, well, we would definitely, um, it could go both ways, I guess, but we would definitely focus on the technology because it's a capital investment, there's tax gains, we can write it off, and it'll be with us forever. That might be good, and it might be that the technology only does half of what you thought it would do, and then you have to go find people. And so finding, um, how, looking at, hey, how do, how do you collaborate with people who are living in that world where you may not live, um, and learn what do they do on a day-to-day basis, how do they measure success, and then looking at, hey, what are the levers that you can help to pull to help them be as successful as possible. I feel like that's something we really don't think about often in terms of how to ask questions. I feel like a lot of times we kind of just ask things. I think it's really important to recognize that you have to think about the follow-up questions before you ask the initial question to help improve clarity and really understand kind of the direction you want your question to go, whether that be just asking a friend or a colleague or even in a relationship. I think that's really cool to get insight from Elizabeth about that. Yeah, I think it's a good way to... um also go back to talking about communication and sort of get down to the nitty-gritty and how do you do it and how to ask good questions when you're reaching out to someone to make sure you get the best out of it. Wow, I really like the answers from our guests today. I think it's really important that they brought practicality, but also they advised and brought really good insight to how to develop better skills today to be the best leaders we can be. And it's really cool to hear how a lot of the skills that they recommend and also some of the things they're advising on are skills you're going to have to develop over the course of the rest of your life. It's not a get it now and be done. So I think that's really exciting. Yeah, I think it's awesome how we started sort of at the overall picture and had it be more broad and overarching and narrowed it down and kind of ended with what we can do to develop these skills. So it was great being here with you today and stay tuned for our next episode in our four-part series on leadership. If you haven't already, go back and check out our teaser and the first episode. And if you want some more information on either of us or any of our guests, check out our show notes in the details and don't forget to subscribe.